Well, welcome to another edition of Chatting Markets today. My name is Kyle Rodder from RG Markets, and I'm sitting with David Song today. No Tom Wilson. He's uh, busy on the desk because there's plenty of news going on in the market right now. Uh, and as we just go to air um, or begin recording this, um, some even greater and more significant news, or at least headlines. Um, that uh, undoubtedly, undoubtedly would be moving market prices, provided the fact that uh, we are away from our desk right now, so we're just trying to keep on top of what's going on. But um, Dave, it's been a few weeks, but um, thanks for joining me again on Trading Markets. How have you been? And um, maybe you can quickly give us a quick wrap in, in terms of what's just happened as uh, we click to record here. Yeah, always glad to be back and have a discussion here. And we're getting some interesting headlines coming out that... Uh Rather than September, we should see U.S. as well as China representatives hold trade talks. So it seems as though that's sparking a bit of volatility in the markets. But, you know, I feel like we've been here again, not just once, but many times already since last December, if you will. Still in that cycle, aren't we? Exactly. So we'll see how this will all pan out. But uh, always glad to be here, Kyle. Yeah, great. Well, we'll um, we'll certainly get on to the trade war. Um, and all its implications in a moment. Um, we've got plenty to go through because I think it's been probably two or three weeks since we last had a podcast. Um, we'll take some time just to you know give a quick wrap on where we've been in the last two or three weeks um, before we really dig into the media issues, what's going on in the global economy, financial markets, the macro story. Um, and then we'll try and talk a little bit about just different markets that, uh, that are moving. The obvious ones, of course, you know, we'll always talk S&P, we'll always talk gold, dollar, oil, etc., etc. Uh, but also we'll, we'll talk about some ones um, that perhaps um, sometimes miss their headlines or, or don't get highlighted as much, but are certainly very interesting in their own way. Um, and uh, also very much influenced by what's happening in the macro environment right now. Um, so Dave, we'll kick things off with a bit of a wrap. We had US earnings season, Aussie, Aussie earnings season wrapping up in the last month. A lot of earnings downgrades, um, disappointment on balance, slight earnings growth, um, but the forward guidance wasn't terrific. A lot of talk about the trade war, of course, and the slowdown in the global economy. And um, as we just touched on then, trade war developments. Um, and we are on that kind of um, merry-go-round still, literally as we, we go to where. So we saw trade relations uh, fall apart between the US and China, tariffs hikes, potential um, you know currency intervention and, and potential currency wars. Uh, talks have become a little nicer again um, in uh, literally the last few moments, it would seem. Uh, but still, it seems like uh, we're very much in the, the same holding pattern, the same cycle. It's, it remains the status quo. Just, just quickly, the last few weeks since since we last had uh, touch base with our listeners, what have you seen? What's been going on? What's happening in the world? Well, from my stance, it's always about price, price yep. action, what's happening, and you know how can we relate some of these global themes to what's going on right now. And mm-hmm. you know when you take a look at across financial markets, some things don't make sense, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know one I think relationship, historical relationship, if you will, that markets are just very keen on seeing is you know when we tend to see U.S. dollar appreciate, gold price weakness sort of flows in, but you know right now is not the time that we're seeing that. In fact, we're seeing gold rally to fresh mm-hmm. yearly highs today. Yep. You know while we're still seeing maybe some dollar weakness, but overall you know we have to keep in mind that the dollar has broken to fresh yearly highs coming into this month. So with that said. Not sure if I want to get too bearish on the greenback, even though we see overwhelming expectations that the Fed could deliver back-to-back rate cuts. And if you guys are watching Fed Funds Futures right now, still seeing over 90% probability that we should get a rate cut 
on September 18th. So, you know, we'll watch that theme. I'm not sure if right now is the time to try to trade some of those themes right now. But, you know, in terms of the broad perspective, you know, that's sort of my take is what are the relationships that we've seen, especially over the course of this year, which one are still evolving? Mm-hmm. And again, it's about looking at those markets and really staying in tune with that, that I think will help us to find some good opportunities in the markets. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that gave, gives a great opportunity to jump straight into the media stuff now because you talk Fed, um, you talk um, macro fundamentals. Um, let, let's start with the Fed. Uh, I was going to go um, perhaps PMIs, but we'll, we'll touch on that in a second because I think um, last night we had a couple of Fed speakers. You, you'll probably be able to drop the, the, the names um, for us just in a moment. And that um, will set us up on Friday, roughly Australia time, uh, for a speech from um, Chair Powell. Um, but as of last night, interest rate futures markets, I believe, are pricing in 114 basis points of cuts in the in the next 12 months. If, if it's probably changed again in the last 15 minutes since we started talking, um, but we're still in an environment now, which is one markets being held together by the prospect of uh, liquidity and cheap money um, brought about by central bank intervention. Um, but not only that too, is that there's not necessarily the strong confirmation from central bankers yet that they will go all out in the same way that markets are, are hoping for. Again, Powell's very significant in that uh, in that sense. We had a couple of those Fed speakers last night, which brought about some of this confidence that may, that may occur. But you know, you can sort of see the split in the, the conversations this week, um, or at least the, the dis- differences in discourse between, say, a, a Rosengren versus a Bullard. One says, let's go 50 basis points. The other one says, no, things are fine. Let's, let's keep things on hold. Um, Touching on some of the markets and all of those things that uh, is driving central bank policy, particularly the Fed, how are you seeing things right now, um, I suppose, playing out a little bit? Because we are getting very, very close to that um, September uh, Fed meeting. So I'm glad you brought that up, Carl, and, and you know I'm glad you dropped Mr. Rosengren's name because you know <laughs> let's let's not forget, right? He was one of the dissenters at the last meeting where mm. we did get that insurance cut, if you will, right? The 25 base point reduction in July, but. Let's also not forget Mr. Bullard, right? He was the one that advertised that insurance rate cut even before we got into that July 31st interest rate decision. And what does that mean for us, especially given his fresh comments saying that, you know, the the Fed, maybe they should be a little bit more preemptive, you know, things of that nature. So, you know, who are we to believe? And more so the way I'm looking at markets and given what we've heard at the Fed Economic Symposium, especially from Chairman Powell, are we going to see this growing dissent Hmm. within the Federal Reserve? And more so, you know, the way I look at markets, what Mr. Bullard has says, does that mean the Fed is already on this sort of preset course to reverse Hmm. those rate hikes that we saw last year? So, you know, in that sort of stance, when I see U.S. equities markets, you know, trading higher in September and, you know, we've gone through this major U.S. holiday, we're expecting full market participation in the U.S. now that we're, you know, sort of gone through the summer lull, if you will. Mm. And is that the environment that we'll face even ahead of September 18th as we're seeing, again, this maybe growing rift within the central bank, but, you know, some of these uh, officials really encouraging this idea that the Fed will respond and more so Mr. Bullard saying himself, right, that they have to be conscious of what markets are pricing and what financial markets are looking for. So, you know, we'll see whether or not the Fed will, in fact, deliver back-to-back rate cuts. But, you know, when I take a look at across the markets right now, I think, you know, there was a little piece that everyone took away from, especially the slew of rhetoric that we're getting out of the Fed. But, you know, you talk about the data, the ISM manufacturing, Mm. you know, survey that we saw earlier this week, 
week dip below 50 and don't forget guys the reading below 50 you know sort of indi- uh, indicates that that sector is in contractionary period so mm-hmm. you know are we going to really see the fed ramp up some of the dovish rhetoric as now we're seeing some of the data highlight again i don't want to say the r word recession right but yeah. are we actually seeing the u.s economy slow down so what does that mean you know for the fed are some of their projections going to get updated this month reflecting a less you know robust economy what will that mean for the interest rate dot plot that we're going to get at the end of this or later on this month and more so how will markets respond to all that right so mm. and again even with that function you know we tend to see when central banks ease things of that nature it tends to depreciate the currency but you look at the US dollar yeah. doesn't really make sense right that's not what we're really seeing and more so you know especially when you're taking a look at the euro dollar right now we made fresh yearly lows coming into September yeah. so yeah. what does it all mean because ECB also has a big meeting this mm. month, quarterly meeting for them. Mr. Mario Drahi, time's running out until he leaves the central bank at the yeah. end of October. So I think there's going to be a lot to take away uh, from the Fed, also from a lot of these, uh, the collection of major central banks. But right now, my real focus is how are we open, opening up the month of September as we did see the U.S. and China tariffs start to kick in and more so, you know, where should we be paying attention and which themes mm. are we going to see continue to evolve in this current environment? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, I mean, if you break down the the narrative, if you will, it seems to be something like this: is that we're coming towards the end of the business cycle, which is inevitable in a in um, in a market economy. So we're there, and that's what the PMI effectively re- represents. Uh, great forward-looking indicator for GDP follows it quite closely. It portends recession when it starts to slow down. Um, I mean, if you look at historical figures, it's normally when we get to that 47, 46 mark in manufacturing PMI data um, that uh, a recession is imminent. When we cross into 50, we're looking at say like a 12 month, you know, um, time timeline or something like that. So it's a bit of a crude um, indicator there. So the Fed are looking at that data instead of their backward-looking indicators. They're trying to get ahead of that by trying to ensure that business investment and business activity picks up to be able to keep this expansion going. You effectively drive the credit cycle longer to be able to carry through the business cycle too. However, this is the sticking point. We've got the trade war, which is bringing incredible uncertainty to global markets. The question becomes, they cut, they cut hard. And this is what you know. the more dovish Fed speakers have said and central well, bankers around the world as well, is that you cut fast and you cut hard because when you've got little ammunition, that's the only, only thing that's going to work. The big concern is though, is that if this trade war continues to fuel uncertainty, all the stimulus in the world isn't going to drive businesses to invest, which means that it's effectively or overall practically useless, the, the, the stimulus that gets injected. The slowdown continues, perhaps worsens, and we're in a position which is very precarious, very volatile, um, where central bankers lose control of the policy agenda and the story as it, as it relates to financial markets. Given that's the environment, and given too as well that we seem to be in a very politicized environment, you can probably um, blame this on US President Trump smashing down some conventions and norms here, but there seems to be a politicization within the Fed going on right now as to how you, uh, you approach that particular dynamic. With that being the case, we've, we've probably had, I, I, I would say, particularly in the, the S&P 500, the ASX 200 has mirrored the S&P 500 very closely for the last month, so everything's highly correlated. We've been effectively range trading, I think, for, what, a month now or so. Markets aren't particularly confident uh, in the in the outlook, but they don't want to give up on this bull market yet. That's that's the last three months of this year as we as we go into to this Fed meeting. How do it? How does a trader, retail trader in particular, start setting their psychology around what could be a very volatile environment where recession risk is increasingly high, and a lot of this is being centered around things that can't be necessarily priced in, which is trade war uncertainty and whether that will make central bank actions and stimulus 
effectively mute. You know, Lakai, you bring up a very good point, and you know, it just brings back the memory of what happened after the GFC, right? <laughs> and then, you know, that's when policymakers were really pushing monetary policy into uncharted territory, and then it really became the question of the efficacy of monetary policy, mm, right? Mm. Diminishing returns. So what can central banks do for now? And you know what? I don't want to jump the gun here because we can talk about macro for days. We can try yeah. to trade some of these future coming events, yeah. you know, like the supposed Fed rate cut that we're supposed to get. But, you know, right now, I don't think it's the time that we can trade mm. some of those themes yet. Mm. They are going to come. But again, I think as a trader, we have to wait for that to really come. And right now, that's the one. Uh, I saw this on Twitter yesterday. Uh, I had a nice little giggle when I saw that. Uh, I'm not going to mention names here, but you know, it was a research graphic, if you will, laid out by a major U.S. bank. And they literally said that when Donald Trump tweets more than 35 times a day, <laughs> it tends to weigh on markets, right? Markets go negative. But when he tweets less than five times a day, markets tend to be positive, right? So That's kind of like the drunken Miller, drunken Miller thesis, I think. Exactly, yeah, right? Yeah. If you can read Donald Trump, you can read markets right yeah, now. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I know if you look at, at across some of these financial markets, some things don't make sense. But, you know, ahead of the Fed, ahead of the ECB, you know, I still think not only is it going to be about the macro, the, the U.S.-China trade war, but... Mm-hmm. You know, what are we going to hear from both sides? And as we just started this podcast, we saw that announcement come out about the U.S.-China <laughs> going to hold talks next month. And we're I'm already seeing the markets yeah. react, right? So, you know, I don't think we can ignore that. And more than anything, in this current environment, there are some key themes that I need. I think we need to watch mm. some relationships that continue to develop, like what we're seeing in gold price versus the U.S. dollar, right? We continue yeah. to see them uh perform pretty well despite you know all the things that are happening uh, mm. but right now i think it's really trying to stay abreast on those uh those sort of topics being mindful on whether or not we're going to see this continue especially over the near term so for now and as we're starting off a fresh month of trade yeah. i'm very mindful of you know what's happening during the monthly opening range here what sort of themes are still in play and you know i still think the best indicator that we can rely on is price itself yeah. you know so Absolutely. yeah so from there you know it's going to be interesting to see like you mentioned, we have Powell coming out at the end of the week. We have non-farm payrolls. So mm-hmm. we'll see how markets will react to all this. But, you know, I think there are some key themes that we can't take away from, like gold, right? We're making yeah. fresh early highs here. So, you know, it sounds very cliche, but you know, trend is your friend. Yeah. So those are some of the themes that I'm still watching right now. And you mentioned equities. You know, do we really want to get really bearish here? Mm. I don't think so, especially mm. when we're seeing, again, Fed funds futures, overwhelming expectations that the Fed will deliver later on this month. Let's take the RBA, for example, that one comment still at the end of their policy statement, noting that, hey, if we need to ease further, we'll definitely do that, yeah. right? So, yeah. you know, we're still in this environment where, you know, I think especially when it, when you look at benchmark equity indices, share prices, maybe continues to be propped up on all these expectations that these central bankers will continue, will continue to support the markets, will continue to support the economy. But again, when does the music stop? Only, you know, only time will tell. I think we'll know when we get there, right? But, you know, those are some of the themes that I think, you know, are not just happening right now for maybe the ECB. You know, are they going to push rates deeper into negative territory? Will they renew their quantitative easing program? But you look at the Bank of Japan, Mm. very similar sort of story there where, you know, they're at minus 0.1, but will they go lower or Mm. will they continue on with their purchasing program? So, you know, that's where I think 
yeah, there are some concerns about, you know, diminishing returns, the efficacy of, you know, can monetary policy achieve what it's trying to do? Mm. But I don't think we could trade those themes yet. Nice. So that's where for me right now, just watching pricing, how we're going to open up the month, especially ahead of some of these major central bank rate decisions. That's really key for me. And also coming from that macro background is, yeah. you know, what is the data telling us? You know, is mm. is it warranted that we're seeing more dovish rhetoric coming out of the Fed and, you know, really this push by Mr. Bullard, St. Louis Fed president, and don't forget, you know, he will be part of the FOMC until end of this year. So yeah. we'll be continuing to see that sort of push uh, from the doves. And, you know, we'll be continue to have to watch for that. And, and, you know, that was the big thing for me is that, you know, he's the one that advertised that insurance free cut. That's yeah. what we got. So, you know, are those the players that we have to watch? And, you know, very interesting headline or speech from New York Fed President Mr. John Williams, mm-hmm. permanent voting on the FOMC. Was but this an academic one or was this a policy one? <laughs> I think it was a little bit of both. He, he threw some jokes in there about, you know, how the word uncertainty is mm. everywhere now, right? Mm-hmm. And he even brought up in his own speech that he's going to talk about uncertainty. You know, yeah. how do we manage through all this? And this is coming from a central banker, you know, from his perspective. And right now, their pledge is to be data dependent, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and that's why for me personally, when we talk about the mas- macro aspect, are they really data dependent or we are or are we on this preset course where the central banks will do what they can and like you mentioned yeah. right should they be really aggressive right now yeah. you know take this preemptive approach if you will mm. to help shore up the economy so again we'll i'll leave it up to the fed we'll see what they'll do you know i don't think that's our job as traders to really no. try to guess what the data will be what these central bankers are going to do no. but more no. so is preparing for the different situations that we can face and more so looking at key markets key trading setups about you know what makes sense to watch which ones are moving and again where do the opportunities lie yeah and that's a good point too and i mean it's one thing to get um that we often get really wrapped up in here um you know, with, with clients at IG or, or daily effects as well, is that, I mean, you get these big, um, I suppose, secular themes in the market um, that you can kind of see are unfolding. Um, and, uh, you know, I suppose are very, very pertinent, particularly in the commentary and all these things. And, and they are, you know, relevant in some way to particular parts of financial markets. Again, if you're, you're managing a, a long-term, um, you know, cross-asset portfolio, or if you are trying to benefit from, you know, major secular trends in financial markets, if you were a hedge fund that's a bit more macro-focused, they're all very, very relevant. Um, but just because these news, the, the, this news is happening today, it's pertinent and you can see it coming, doesn't mean that it's actionable tomorrow, you know? Exactly. Um, and this is what I always find interesting is that, like, you know, we know that the, the um, global monetary system is um, edging towards a, a, a point which is generally quite unsustainable. But the thing is, it could be another two or three years, perhaps even longer before that becomes a, a flashpoint. Um, so, you know, again, trying to cut through the noise and making sure that you, you get your time horizons right is pretty important. Um, and relevant to remember when you're a retail trader, I think, something that I certainly get caught up in as well. Um, just before we go on, because we were talking stock indices, and I did want to have a chat about, um, you know, maybe the bull case for some, the bear case for others, um, in uh, what's effectively a pretty choppy and range trading environment at the moment. Um, but just did want to sort of, I guess, put the cone of silence around us very quickly and put on our, um, you know, parochial Australian uh hats, if you will. I always wear mine. I asked you just uh, very quickly to adopt yours. In the themes that we're talking about now, monetary policy, global growth, uh, we had Australian GDP out uh, on Wednesday, weakest since the GFC at 1.4%. RBA seems to be on wait and see mode. Can we just get a quick takeaway in terms of um, what that all meant? Um, for, for financial markets, if that's right, Dave. Yeah, I mean, when you take a look at it and try to put all the pieces together, I think that's where 
we can look for some opportunities, right? And I think one good example that we had this week was the Bank of Canada, right? Are they going to buck this global trend of monetary easing, maybe even some quantitative easing, right? RBA is talking about it, RBNZ is talking about it, that, you know, should they reach the lower bounds for the cash rate, maybe they'll have to venture into some of these non-standard policy measures. So again, not something that I think we can trade today, very fun to talk about today, but again, we're not there yet. So, Mm. you know, my sort of game plan right now is, identifying some of those things, right? Which regions are able to buck this trend? Which one are going to outperform the other? And, you know, even when I take a look at equities markets, right? Mm -hmm. We went through earnings seasons and all that. But when I take a look at U.S. equities market, remember, we're talking about an inverting yield curve. Fears about a U.S. recession coming about, but yet we're rallying as we're starting off the month of September, right? Does this make sense to me? Not at all. And again, is this hinged upon expectations for a rate cut we can talk about that for days but you know these are some of the trends that i don't want to fight and you know that's the way i look at you know especially with these benchmark equity indices right which ones can i see outperforming the other well the ones i like watching right now and this is not because i'm from new york right but you know i take a look at s p 500 and you know what Mm -hmm. asx looks pretty good in my eyes as well because Mm -hmm. you take a look at what's materialized there where yeah we had that sort of correction the pullback but those two indices did not test those June lows, yeah. right? So just from that stance, maybe those are the ones to outperform because when you take a look at what's happened to the Nikkei, when you take a look at what happened to the DAX, those two indices actually broke those June lows, right? Mm. So if I'm in this mindset where I do think, right, the party's gonna keep going, we're gonna continue to see higher equity prices, mm-hmm. you know, the markets that I tend to favor in that sort of stance is maybe I should be watching the ASX, maybe I should be watching S&P 500 yeah. because in terms of price itself, price action itself, we haven't seen, we haven't seen those securities come down and really try to break those journals and more than that the way i'm interpreting that price action is maybe we just saw this failed attempt to test those lows those yep. previous lows and are we on our way to continue on with this sort of bullish market that we've been seeing for equities uh, since the start of the year if you will right i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so it's going to be interesting to see how that develops but you know that's sort of my mindset right now of where yeah. i am is you know looking for the outperformers, looking for, you know i don't want to call it outliers but which ones are bucking the trend if you will and yep. that's sort of you know what I've been using uh, to really imp- implement into my trading strategy to really try to make sense of all this and, and to really help give me more of a guidance, if you will, on which ones I should be keeping a close eye on versus, yeah, maybe some noise there, but you know what? There's some other markets that are a little bit better than others right now, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I'll throw another um, cliche out of the audience just in the back of all that. Uh, the uh, John Maynard Keynes quote that um, markets can remain rational longer than you can remain solvent. So uh, perhaps so something to tie all that together there. So you touched on the, the stock indices um, very quickly, the ones that um, you know might be showing uh, price action that's a little bit more on the bullish side versus um, indices that are showing slightly more bearish um, uh, price action. Um, just wanted to throw back to you because we were talking with um, our very talented new business team the other day, and um, you know you were chatting through some markets um, that probably don't get as much well, maybe media attention, maybe attention from clients, um, maybe they're too obscure to, for, for some because they don't get that attention and they feel like they don't want to either talk about it, trade it, engage with them quite as much. Um, but I wouldn't mind just giving you basically just. Um, a chance to riff here, Dave, on just some of the markets you're watching um, that are really telling in terms of where we are in the in, in the markets right now. Some really interesting price action, um, and in those markets too, how you're interpreting that as a, um, a currency strategist and and a trader in your own time as well. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are making a big fuss about you know what's happened with U.S. yields, right? The thirty-year, mm-hmm. ten-year, um, but I think we are in this sort of environment, and again, trying to take that sort of macro stance, if we will. We're headed again, or we're seeing this global slowdown, 
Maybe the U.S. is headed for a recession. Maybe mm. Europe is headed for a recession, right? Those are some of the big themes that, you know, continue to come up over the last couple of days, if you will. But, you know, when you take a look at what's happened with gold, taking a look at the dollar, right? And, and again, as I mentioned with U.S. Treasury yields, um, again, Treasury yields, Treasury prices have that inverse relationship, right? And mm-hmm. and is that what's propping up the dollar, right? Our market participants, global investors, if you will, are they flooding into U.S. Treasuries? Because what do we learn in, you know, economics 101, finance 101? What is the risk-free rate? U.S. Treasuries, mm-hmm. right? So, are we seeing this demand for Treasuries? Is that what driving the yields lower? You know, Fed officials—they're blaming the low, you know, interest environment, the global low interest environment. But you know, is that what's propping up the U.S. dollar? And then, mm-hmm. you know, and I think there's a lot of these cross-market uh, themes that are really starting to materialize. And when I take a look at gold, another security that I find myself always looking at is Euro Swiss. Yes, And I think that's not gaining enough attention right now because there's a lot of psychological levels that I think we broke, especially over the course of this year. So we're well below 110 right now. We're trading right around 108.50 zone. But again, why is this materializing, right? We still have the SMB with their minus 0.75 interest rate. They're pledged to intervene in the currency market whenever they you know see fit. And yet we're seeing this appreciation in the Swiss franc. Well, when I see what's happening with gold, when I see what's happening with treasury mm-hmm. prices, doesn't make sense that we're seeing this with the Swiss franc, right? And and again, coming from my perspective, you know, and I think again, watching some of these markets and looking at, you know, how it fits with everything else, that's where I pay very close attention to and more so, I do think we are seeing some nice trends in some of these markets. So Euro Swiss, even as we started off just yesterday, we made fresh yearly lows. So my perspective, if that's not a bullish signal, I don't know what is, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I do think Euro Swiss is in this bear trend. And again, we'll see what the Swiss National Bank will try to do, right? They yeah. don't want their currency to appreciate. But on the back of that, what is the ECB going to do, right? And how will that fit into all this big picture? So again, I think it's, you know, the macro picture, very fun to talk about and a lot yeah. of things in, in the pipeline. But again, for me, price is always the best indicator. Yeah. And I think, again, just trying to pick up on some of these themes should help us not only, again, try to be on the right side of the market, but also in terms of finding good opportunities. Fantastic. Well, that's probably about as much time as we got to chat, have to chat Mark today, but it's very, very pertinent, the whole lot of it. It was, um, again, entering a, a, a month this month that generally sets the tone for the, the last three months of the year. Um, I mean, we only have to go back into to last year itself on, on October 3, because I won't forget it, um, and the days before that where um, we had Powell giving his um, a long way from neutral comments, and that seemed to change the world. Uh, henceforth, and, and really, we're, we're probably still in an environment that's um, trading off of that basis. But um, just before we go, um, big month, big couple of months, with everything that you said today, just so we can put on a bow, a, a bow on it to, today, Dave, um, just a one-minute wrap for the audience here in terms of what you're thinking um, and uh, where we can leave off for today. Yeah, I would say, again, not to sound cliche, the trend is your friend, right? Absolutely. So keep a close eye on that. And for me, as we kick off this month of fresh month of trade, and you know what, Kyle, I think you could be onto something, right? What we hear this month, what we get this month from the Fed, from the ECB, is it really going to set the tone for the rest of this year? And more so, how can we use some of this stuff, um, some of this, again, um, headlines, if you will, some of the data prints to gauge all that, right? That's not our job, right? So yeah. so for me, yeah. I yeah. love talking about macros, but again, for me, it's always gonna be about looking at price action, yeah. trying to see where the opportunity is, and more so, Kyle, you know, even from IG side, I think we have a lot of things coming out, right? Yeah. We are doing these podcasts, but we do have the IG Masterclass, yeah. and uh, we will probably try to do more things on our side. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, even from that perspective, 
you know, for me, it's always going to be about, again, trying to stay abreast on some of these themes. And again, these cross market themes, mm. we can certainly take advantage of some of that, right? And again, don't, don't forget, right? Uh, correlation isn't causation, yep. right? So always keep that on the back of your minds. But you know, when we see some of these relationships really start to evolve, don't ignore it, right? Yep. And again, I think that's where some of the opportunities will continue to lie. And I know sometimes it might not make sense, yep. right? But could be opportunities there. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, that's a terrific way to end. And you've just, just um, mentioned it before, for all your market updates and more of this kind of information, um, ensure that you share and follow, subscribe to the podcast. We'll keep doing these on a fortnightly basis or so. Um, Dave just mentioned the, the webinars that we've been holding um, at five o'clock on Mondays. Tom Wilson definitely appears there and provides great insights too. Uh, but that's sort of a you know a week ahead kind of review as well as a, a bit of a look at the tradable markets on um, uh, on the at the beginning of a week. Um, and also make sure you follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. The Instagram handle I believe is ig.com.au. Twitter. IGOs. So get um, across all of those things to make sure that you're across what's happening in financial markets and get all the best information. But that will do us for today uh, for Chatting Markets. Dave, thanks for Chatting Markets with me again. Always a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks.